What's up, Brewskies? My name is Marco Dupa, and with me is always the great and powerful Adam Obesius Rodriguez. What's up, Brewskies? Tonight's brew is from Red Light, Red Light, the brewery slash tap room, the legendary bar in Orlando, Florida. We need some glassware still. Excuse Th us. That we do. We need yeah. to grab the glassware from there. That is yeah. our fault. Mm -hmm. Apologies. Yeah. It's their Hellas Lager. Streets of Gold. Uh, this one has. This is. This is one of their. You know, um, like I, I don't know. I wouldn't call it flagship beers, but like you know, one of the ones that that. Uh, it's a mainstay. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one for a mainstay. Mm. Mainstay. Clean, refreshing. We're gonna do it up on the show. So let's get right into it. Uh, what's on tap for this evening? We got to talk about this new legislation. Uh, that is supposed to take place where finally somebody in the Senate or Congress or whatever has woken up to the plight of the <laughs> average gamer. Yes, of the little man. <laughs> and they've written some legislation that would make it so that bots cannot buy up all of the product mm -hmm. from, the, from uh, um, retail uh, businesses. Yeah. Best Buy, Target, Walmart, and the like. They're going to make them do one of those tests where they have to click all the sidewalks. Basically make these bots turn turn these bots into humans. Yeah. Which is fantastic news <laughs> if this actually happens. Right. So we're going to talk about that. And also, we got some trailer trash coming your way. <laughs> just a limited just one. A, just yeah, a, just a little. little. Yeah. In the form of the new Matrix Revolutions trailer. Mm-hmm. Revolutions? Resurrections. Resurrection. Revolutions was number three. Yeah. Resurrections is four. Mm -hmm. I don't like their subtitles, but we'll get into <laughs> that also. Uh, but before we can do all that, we got to crack open into these brewskis. Mm -hmm. So let's do it up. This is the One Beer In Podcast. Oh, yeah. Ooh, you splashed on your own glass. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Hey, yeah, yeah, look at that. <laughs> so the good thing about this is there's not a lot of head retention on this, so that's going to dissipate pretty quickly. <sighs> look at you talking like a head brewmaster. <laughs> I've just poured this fucking beer enough that it just fucking, I know what it does. I know how it reacts. Uh, 50, 50, 20. Okay. <laughs> Pour the rest of that. Mm. Mm hmm. Clink it up. Cheers. Ah. That's a tasty beverage. That's right. This is the One Beer In Podcast, the podcast where two brews crack open a brew and we see where that one brew takes us. This is episode 335. Five. And we thank you guys, as always, for listening, sharing, subscribing devouring drinking all that jazz mm -hmm. of the podcast um we're very appreciative of any and everybody that uh takes in the content yes as they say mm -hmm. so <clears throat> without further ado let's just get right into it let's start off the show with some trailer trash trailer trash bah, bah. this week we have uh what's like i guess they I mean, the trailer, the first big trailer was out, has been out for a while. Yeah. 
Um, but now we've just been seeing clips of the sh- of the new movie that's coming out, Matrix, Resurrections, mm-hmm. and you, sir, you have some reservations about Resurrections. <laughs> More like Matrix Reservations, am I right? <laughs> Matrix reser- Reservations. Reservations, brother. So, uh, you know, let's just get right into it. Let's. I mean, I mean, you've got you've got opinions. Let's. I do. I do. Um. So I'm 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 gonna bounce this back to you as soon as I'm done. But, okay. Because I want to know your opinion too. I don't know about you guys out there, but the more I see of this movie, the more I'm worried. Mm. And that's for one <clears throat> major reason, and that's that it is so self-referential. Mm. Mm. It feels like, and again. Haven't seen the movie yet, so we're not talking about a movie review yet. Could be awesome. Right now, it seems like it's just going to be almost a a, a clip show of the original Matrix movie. Mm. Just redone and kind of just be a uh, soft reboot rehash of what we've already seen. Yeah. Which the Matrix should never be. I mean, say what you will about the sequels, which kind of (laughs) suck. But... They were at least, you know, uh, did different things than you you may have anticipated or expected from the franchise to do. Yeah. Um, the thing I think the Matrix, I guess the ultimate sin that the Matrix can make is being boring and redundant. Mm. After being such like a bright star of, of unique uh, storytelling and... and Obviously, there there have been stories about, you know, the virtual world, what's real, man, and all that kind of thought. But it was the first time that was really, like, crystallized on film like that. Yeah. So, I would hate to see a Matrix, after all this anticipation, all this time that we've been waiting for something new, and it just be kind of Matrix again, you know? Like, that's my biggest fear. And from all the trailers I've seen and everything they've shown, it's just like... Remember this, yeah. remember this, remember this. It's happening again, which, you know, is fine. It's kind of what they did with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just, I, I f- would hope that the Matrix would be more heady than that. And I'm hoping that this is a big red herring <clears throat> and it's really going to be much deeper, much more philosophical, much more interesting than just like the Matrix is happening again, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But all the trailers, the more I see, the more it seems like it's just, you know, a greatest hits of what we've already seen. Yeah. And that worries me. I think when when they do trailers, you know, 10, 15, 20 years after the original movie, they can't help but go, remember this? Yeah. We're bringing it back, right? I think that the that's the main trapping that comedy sequels fall into mm-hmm. which is remember this remember that thing that made you laugh right. a couple years ago call back we're doing it again yeah. yeah and with this being that it's a it's a sequel to a movie that came out in what well when was 99 right no 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 well that was the first movie the first yeah. one. first movie was 99 yeah the last movie was 2005 i think Look that shit up, bro. I need to be right. I think it's 2005. Come on, let's see. Oh, three. 
fuck? <laughs> 2003? No yeah, way. That's, that's a long time ago. Holy shit. So yeah, they've 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 waited decades to make this new movie. Yeah. And uh you can't help but want to remind the audience of what made the first trilogy great in the first place. Mm. So remind people as to why they should even care about right. this series, right? But I will say, personally, I hate callbacks. I hate references to the last movie. I hate it yeah. all. It's one of the reasons why when you go back and say, watch like Austin Powers, and we're not, <clears throat> Austin Powers is not like this beacon of like <laughs> uh, 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 cinema excellence sure. or anything, but it's a fun movie. Yeah. The first movie's great. Mm -hmm. And then the second and third one are literally just rehashes of the same jokes from right. the first movie over and over and over again. They throw in a couple different characters and just kind But of those characters do the same jokes. Mm -hmm. So it's like... Uh, I don't know, man. I Love Gold hit pretty hard. I love gold. I love gold. I hate that shit. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the reasons why The Hangover didn't work. The first movie, I think, is a perfect comedy. Yeah. Uh, save for being not very timely. Um, but the second and third one are just references to the first one. That's all they are. Sure. And it happens all the time, which is why I hate when they do comedy sequels. Every time a comedy sequel comes out, it's just... I actually asked this on Twitter. If there's ever been a comedy sequel that didn't reference the first the one's best jokes... And yeah. no one was able to answer the question because I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of a comedy that has been able to just replicate the, the, the beauty and the, the, the moment of the right. first movie without referencing the first movie over and over and over again. I'm, I'm even struggling to think of a, a comedy sequel that wasn't mostly just callbacks. Yeah. Or, yeah. or really like stands on its own. Yeah. You know, like, cause Think about it. There have been decent comedy sequels, but I what can't... What part two can you think of that's I, just better... First of all, better than the original, or even as good as the original. Yeah. That's tough. I'm sure people are screaming at their phones right now. Yeah. Airplane 2! <laughs> so, uh, not to say yeah. that it's a one-to-one -one comparison, but I think it's pretty close as far as movie sequels are concerned. Mm -hmm. um, I think what I'm trying to say is... I think you get a closer comparison to, like, uh, comedy sequels and sequels of any movie that are too far away from the original movie. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Because they have to reference the original movie mm -hmm. for people to connect with this uh, new one now. Right. So they have to make those references for people to care. Mm -hmm. Right? And I don't know. Like, these movies... The, they should be able to stand on their own. Uh, they should just be good enough, right? right? I mean, and, and I, I want to say references aren't inherently, in my opinion, a bad thing. I, I think it, it it plays almost like as an in-joke that if you've seen the first one, like it gives you more of an understanding and like a little wink and, you know, elbow to like, oh, yeah. Like I, I remember this character going through this before and that's why this is paying off now. Or, yeah, I only, you know. Only if only if it's earned. Sure. If you just throw it in there and it's just like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink to the audience, it's like, nah, fuck you. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. I've gone to the, I've paid the money, I've gone to the theater to watch this new movie. Obviously, I'm a fan of the series. You should treat it that way. You yeah. should never these 
Filmmakers should never insult the audience and assume that they either haven't seen the movie or didn't understand the movie or need to be reminded of the last movie. Yeah. You should treat the audience as a as a, a person who like understands what they're watching. Like you you know, you don't big brain them and like you get the high breath you understand what we're doing here, right? You get right. this. You don't have to do that it's shit. Challenging. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> oh, fuck, I dropped the key. <laughs> but I think that you uh I think you make the movie with the audience member in mind who has seen the last movie and is excited about this movie and and say has watched the last movie before they like right before they've gone to the theater so that they under they don't need to be reminded of like what why the first one was great in the first place yeah and i i think a really good sequel can even stand on its own it should you know like if if you don't know anything about it going into it you can still enjoy the the story arc and kind of follow along enough for it to make sense yeah um of course you should be able to get more out of it if you are a fan of the series but i mean i don't know i i just again my fear with matrix resurrections is that it's just going to be callbacks it's just going to be fan service it's going to be really shallow it's going to have nothing new to say mm-hmm. And it's going to be a rehashing of everything we saw already in the Matrix One, probably done better before than it is today. Yeah, and that is disappointing because, I mean, it really does feel like okay. As exciting as it is to see that they're doing this movie, what new ground could they tread? Honestly, I, I I'm sitting here wanting to be surprised. Yeah, I want to be pleasantly surprised and eat my words. I have hope. I I don't think. Uh, there's no chance this movie's any good at all, but I'm a little worried. I'm a little yeah. worried that it's it's gonna be just okay, which a Matrix movie shouldn't be. I, I want it to be excellent. I hope you're wrong. Yeah, me I too. hope you're super wrong, but you probably are. <laughs> you're probably right because, well, first of all, it's not both siblings. It's just one of the Wachowski siblings, right? And I mean, the other one was like. I've done everything that I can do with that. Well, and, I'm not and I I can't help but respect her for that because th- I mean that makes perfect sense. Yeah, like I've done it before. I don't want to return back to that world. I've said everything I need to say about it. It's like okay, yeah. Th- I mean that makes perfect sense, which leads me to worry. <laughs> yeah, that well, and 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 for better or for worse. The three Matrix movies at least are a cohesive cohesive story, right? There's a beginning, middle, and end with with the trilogy. Whether you liked uh, Revolutions and Reloaded or not is beyond the point. The sequel's called Reloaded. I know. It just doesn't. It's just (laughs) so stupid. I know. It's just such a fucking. (laughs) Just what a shitty. The Matrix Reloaded. It just goes to show how good that first movie is, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, imagine if Blade 2 sucked. Well, some people do think Blade 2 sucks. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> They're wrong. I like Blade 2. I hate the fight choreography in it. Yeah. I'll never be able to get off that horse. I think it's terrible. It's There's nothing... Even with Donnie Yen? Blade 2 suffers from the mid-millennium or early-millennium curse of, oh... We can do CGI. Okay, that's it's a, super cheap. That's a completely different story. It's I, not a completely I, no, different story. I agree 100 percent about the CGI. I yeah. think I think the fight and like action choreography is is done well. I don't think whenever they cut to CG, 
it's done well at it's all. It's awful. It's, it's terrible. It, yeah, it it's takes lazy, me out of it. And you can tell they're just saving money. Yeah. It's it's one of those or I don't even know if it's that. I think it's it could be partially that, but I think it's also like let's try to do this because we can, you know? It just looks so bad. They're yeah. so rubbery and they Which move is so fast. Really and- strange for a Guillermo del Toro movie because he's so into practical effects. Exactly. And there are really good practical effects in it too. <clears throat> but then in, I the, don't know what it was. The older I get and the more that I learn about Guillermo del Toro as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. the more I'm disappointed in Blade 2 yeah. and what it could have been. It's still great. Yeah. I do like it. Yeah. But when I think about what he's done with past movies and even movies after Blade mm-hmm. 2 and to think like, well, why did he? And and it's just the only thing I can think of is he got caught up in the rush of mm-hmm. we could just we can make them do whatever we want. One of those, one of his earlier big big budget action movies too. Mm-hmm. You know, this is before Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'd only done a couple like mainstream movies before that, so maybe he was given a big budget and was like, "Oh, we'll throw it in CG and it'll come out great." Right. You know, who knows? Hellboy, but. Hellboy's fight choreography is awesome. Yeah. I mean, even the moments that like go to CG, you're like, "All right, whatever." Yeah. There's a there's there's a there's a thing to be said for like obviously practical effects like old school guys like us who are like oh I want, I want more whatever whatever there is a a thing to be said about how good CG is but there is a thing to be said also about knowing when to use it and when not sure. and I think that a lot of filmmakers in the early millennium just didn't no 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 you know no and it, I don't think it was there yet because. You have to remember, he also did Pacific Rim, which looks great. Look, yeah, looks amazing. Um, but, I mean, I think that's done in a, a way that makes sense, given the technology of the time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, back then it didn't work out so well. No. Still a great movie. I don't want to hear it. Okay? Fast forward. It's okay. <laughs> I've gotten over it. You can, too. I can't. I can't. I can. There's the scene where he's fighting the, the big bad in the end. And there's moments where like, oh man, this is this is so visceral and 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 uh, and and like aggressive and and just this looks yeah. so good. And then there's moments where it's just like, why does it go? Why does it cutting to wide? Oh, because these people aren't <laughs> actually here. And, <laughs> and yeah. the one there's the moment where he like Someone jumps up and like a million times. <laughs> yeah. Turns into Gumby for a second. <laughs> and he just does an elbow drop from like 80 yards away. And you're just like, we didn't need that. Yeah. The rest of this fight scene was good. Like the perfect example is <clears throat> there's a fight scene when Blade first encounters the big bad. I keep forgetting his name. But uh, they first encounter each other in that like um, broken down shitty club. Mm. And there's no CGI. They're just it's just a, a really well choreographed fight scene. And yeah. you're like, this is awesome. And then you cut to the end of the movie where they're like, this is the big moment mm. where they're going to have like the epic fight scene. Right. And this is the end of the movie. It's the penultimate scene. And they waste it yeah. with just all of this just gumby, rubbery, yeah. gross yeah, yeah, fucking. Yeah. Anyway. We're not here for that. We're here for the Matrix. Which I hope at this point uh, the filmmakers are like, yeah, we don't need to revisit Reloaded. It doesn't need to be because reloaded to kind of connect that Mm -hmm. rant reloaded suffers from the same uh, curse, which is the filmmakers were like, oh, we can just put this all into CG and do whatever we want. 
So now you've got Neo fighting a hundred Smiths, yeah. and it looks disgusting. They're ro- <laughs> rubbery and and weird looking, and they're flying all over the place. But they look like it just it just looks terrible. There's nothing realistic about it. They're elasticy, and you go back and watch it now, and you're like, I'm watching a movie. I'm mm-hmm. not watching a guy fight thirty other guys. I'm watching right. a movie. So hopefully they learn from that. Sure. And they don't bring that back. Everything from uh, an action level from the trailers looks good. Mm-hmm. I, I think I mean, I mean, most of it looks practical. Yeah. There's some really cool looking shots. So at very least, hopefully it looks cool. Mm-hmm. But well, we'll if you, see. I mean, you have to watch Keanu doing John Wick and go, oh, well, that's audiences ate that shit up. Yeah. I, I can understand them wanting to go above and beyond that, mm. but you have to realize what people are into in the first place, is which, which is you can believe Keanu doing those things. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between like him being... like <clears throat> I think in The Matrix, they got so caught up in he can do whatever he wants in this world. Yeah. How do we translate that to screen? Right. And they lost sight of the fact that, like, part of it is just watching Keanu do those things. Mm-hmm. Not imagine, like, we imagined that he could do those things, but seeing him do all that weird shit and the way that it looked, it just didn't look right. So then it fucks up what you're imagining he can do. Yeah, you know? and it, it, it's harder the the more <laughs> I'm using video game talk right now, but the, like the more abilities he gets, because like you have to. You have to top whatever happened last, right? He right. has to continue to evolve and become this, like, god in the Matrix, right. essentially. Right. So, like, okay, by the end of Matrix 1, spoiler alert, he can fly. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what do you do next? Like, yeah. what, what what are the limitations at that point? Like, But that's the filmmaker's problem. Right. They're the ones who decided that at the end of the first movie he was going to fly away. Yeah. And now they have to figure out how to up the ante on that. Right. That's their that's their fault. They didn't yeah. have to do that. Yeah. He didn't well, have to be able to fly, dude. No one wanted him to be Superman. He didn't need to be able to fly. Kung Fu, <laughs> stopping bullets. Right. That was enough. Yeah. Seeing the Matrix code, being able to morph the world into mm-hmm. however he wants it, all of that was enough. The motherfucker didn't need to be able to fly. <laughs> they decided that Flying that is was too far. That was I mean how do you make that practical? How do you make that make sense other than to make it look weird? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that helps the Matrix stand alone as a standalone movie mm-hmm. because it is a complete arc. And by the end, he is all powerful, essentially. Yeah. He's still helping people. I guess, I mean, he's not godlike at that point. He's just really good. <laughs> yeah. Basically. We don't even know what that even means he's i think the, you need the second and third movie to understand like what his like the limit to his powers you understand he's the savior though mm-hmm. essentially he's there to help other people get out now yeah and that's all they we need to know that. it yeah. can end right there the matrix front to back i would say perfect movie i would agree i i think there's nothing else needed that we don't need to know more about that story nope at least not from neo's perspective right I think we, we can learn more about other characters in that world who are trapped. That's kind of what the Animatrix is. Yeah. Um, but I think that completes Neo's arc. And yeah. the rest of the time that we spend with him is like, what are we going to do now? <laughs> right. <laughs> we gotta, yeah. We got to figure out what's going on here and 
find a an ultimate baddie on top of the ultimate bad it, it gets like dragon ball z down you know yeah no that's i mean that's exactly the problem with agent smith i think he's the perfect villain in the first movie and then they go well, how can we make him even more villainous in the second and third movie and they start like to stretch the limits of what this character can be yeah because after a- after a while it's like okay he's unplugged from the matrix what is his motivation for even concerning himself with neo and the plight of the fucking freedom fighters why does he even give a shit about them he could go off and do whatever the fuck he wants and for some reason he's got this like vendetta against neo because why he bested him in a sparring match (laughs) like okay so you're telling me this program has pride and the one thing that he cares about is beating neo not freedom not controlling the universe none of that just besting neo in a hand in hand-to-hand combat yeah. that's it to be fair i think they paint smith as all of humanity's worst impulses and the worst that humanity can be so yeah i yeah i think that uh, wor- that works on that level but yes i agree i think but at the end of the day it doesn't like it stops being compelling pretty early on yeah after because the first now one. you're just looking at you know like okay you have to ask yourself, well, what is the what is really the point of all of this? Why why does he care so much? Why does anybody care so much? Right. You know? Yeah. So uh in the new movie you don't get Larry Fishburne. Mm-hmm. You don't get Supposedly. There yeah, yeah. there are always rumors that he's gonna make a cameo. At There's least. rumors, and I think I kind of I just can't see how they don't bring him back yeah. in a cameo aspect. I just, I just, I, I just. Yeah. How how can you make this movie, and how can you let the John Wick franchise <laughs> take up? that? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And There's, have a character named Morpheus. Come on. What are you doing? Yeah. There's no way he's not. He has to just show up yeah. in a in a cameo aspect of like a like a jump cut. Uh, or a time jump, rather. Mm-hmm. Something. Yeah. There's no way. He's or just not. the very end, he pops out or something. Yeah. Something. <laughs> something. Yeah. I just can't imagine the movie. Like, and the way that, like, when they ask him about it, when people ask him about it in interviews, he was just like, yeah, they just didn't ask me to be in it. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. They went back and made this movie and they just didn't ask him to be in it. They brought back the two characters that died. Spoiler alert. <laughs> right. They both died right. in the in the third one. Morpheus survived, mm-hmm. and he doesn't get to be in the fourth one. Well, he he dies in the online game, which is apparently canon. Don't so. say don't say things like that to me. So <laughs> don't say don't say stuff like that. Look it up. Wanna, I don't want to hear that. It's true. I don't need to hear stuff like that. Yeah, an online game is canon. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, no, no. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. All right. You guys judge for yourselves. Go back and watch the Matrix trilogy. I have to go back and rewatch the sequels. I, I have to. It's been a long time. It's been a while. I was going to say it, but I didn't, so you don't get that one. <laughs> uh, it's been a quite a while. It's been a quite a while. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and give them another spin just to prep. Listen, I'll say at the end of the day, they're a fun adventure. They're a fun little jaunt. <sighs> The first one, as we've established, is a perfect film. Yeah. The second one, 
for all this misgivings with CG, there's really great fight fight choreography. Mm-hmm. And the third one goes balls to the wall. The third the third one's not good. I mean, I'm just not even gonna like <laughs> yeah. try to save it. The third one's not a good. I remember movie. getting very weighed down in the savior it's too stuff. Much. It's too much. Yeah. It's it's it just doesn't. Every time I watch that movie, because I've watched it a lot, every time I watch it, all I can think is this would have been so much better had the movie gone. You know what would be really cool is if we bring the characters back to the ground level and just have Agent Smith and Neo hand-to-hand fisticuffs for like 15 minutes. Yeah. That would have been dope if they were if if somehow they brought them back to the subway scene mm-hmm. and and you know Agent Smith was like we're back to where it all began and mm-hmm. they just like had a fight scene super simple yeah. very very practical just two dudes duking it out instead they were like this is two gods and how do we illustrate what it means to be a god in the Matrix well they're flying around and. One guy like fucking they they punch each other in slow motion and it like stops the rain and like one guy drives the other guy into the concrete well, but it doesn't kill him. Literally all. Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It, yeah. it is. It literally yeah. is Dragon Ball Z, and it's like ah, you just lost the plot on this one, man. It's just too much. Yeah. With all that being said, I think you should go back and watch all three. I will. Uh, if you're definitely if you're gonna if you're excited about the new one, you have to watch all three, just in yeah. case Resurrections is like amazing really good, yeah which it could be it could be could be it could be i mean you're bringing back i think keanu at this point is like not gonna come back and do this movie unless the script was good you'd hope you would hope yeah. carrie ann moss the same thing i sure. think you you'd think that she would only sign on sign off or sign on rather whatever if the script was good enough and and uh the guy who's playing New Morpheus or old Morpheus mm-hmm. or young Morpheus. I forgot. I always forget his name because it's like super African. No offense, but it's like really. It's just hard. It's hard to remember. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it is. I'm not gonna. It's just a hard name to remember. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But he's great. He played Mr. Manhattan, the Doctor Manhattan, rather. <laughs> he's. He didn't get his PhD. I'm sorry. He didn't. <laughs> Mr. Manhattan. He's Mr. Man- You're Mr. Manhattan to me. No, Doctor Manhattan. Um, uh, what else was he in? Um. Candyman. Right. Um, yes, yes, yes. He's fantastic. He's a great actor. I just f- keep forgetting his name. Yeah. He He's playing young Morpheus. And this guy so far has only really signed on for, like, really good shit, too. Yeah. So it's, it's Either he or his agent has been... Agent? Oops. Huh? Has been doing a very good oh. job. So. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. We'll there see. are signs of, of something good coming, but, you know. Yes. We yes. shall see. We shall see. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. It's the smell. If, if there, there is, is such, such a thing. thing. Did I tell you I'm making a list of like my favorite line reads? No. I'll show you my list right okay. now. So I have I have that. Is there a search option on here? Yeah, here we go. Favorite. Let's see if I can just search line reads. Yeah. Okay. So I have I have <laughs> It's a good one. That first one? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh what? what? From Jaws. But I do have it's the smell. 
mm-hmm. in the Matrix. Yes. Which I think is one of the best line reads ever. It's the smell, <laughs> if there is such, such a thing. thing. I love that. Yeah. It's a fantastic line read. I'm that, trying to put together a whole list of them. That entire scene's really well done. Oh, it's fantastic. He's like, yeah, takes the sweat off of him. Shoves it up his nose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, man. Lawrence Fishburne, dude, does not get the credit he deserves. No. He is fantastic in everything he's ever done. As a man who only recently watched Deep Cover... Mm. Incredible. Yeah. Showstopper. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Dude, Larry Fishburne. When he was Larry Fishburne and now when he's Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> everything he's done. I, I just I mean, you can say what you want about the movies that he's been in, but he fucking brings it, dude. Yeah. He Every time. Brings it. Every time. He deserves way more credit. Oh uh, shit. Ah! <laughs> 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 running down my leg <laughs> it's so wet ah. <laughs> what happens when you talk about Lawrence Fishburne I was saying nice things I know yeah you get too excited though fuck man I'm so sorry you want you need a break you need to take a no, break? no 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 it's fine it's fine I'll live with it all right I deserve it I okay be, I should have been more careful sit in your mess I can feel it anyway I can feel it <laughs> all right so that movie the the when when's it supposed to come out? Uh before the end of the year, right? Matrix Resurrections will come out on December 22nd. That's amazing. Yes, and it is That's right around the corner. It really is and it's coming out on HBO Max. Oh, as shit. well as in theaters. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's part of the... I totally forgot because they stopped... Yeah. They just stopped oh, advertising it. Don't get used to it. It's ending this year. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's but probably one of the last ones we're going to get. I completely forgot. Yeah. Because Dune was one of the... I mean, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I'm going to go... I'm going to go to the theater for Matrix. Yeah. I went to the theater for Dune and I do not regret it. You do not? I do not regret uh-huh. it. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing oh, I'm, in the I'm theater. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I, <sighs> So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the theater for Matrix. I think they're showing it in the IMAX theater, so it may be worth putting up the extra money to go up there. Yeah, whole thing. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Well, let's kind of switch gears and stay on the same beers. Let's get to some video game news. Pew this, pew. This is video some... games. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah you keep working on that okay yeah yeah so we've talked about this uh innumerable amount of times now mm. at this point and indubitably it seems like there was no answer on the horizon and now out of nowhere seemingly uh-huh someone in the government has answered our prayers Mm. because apparently there's legislature on the books to make it so that these bots are outlawed when buying up new uh well whenever these like new um technologies drop consoles gaming systems uh memory cards for high value items high value items is what they call them yeah so, 
Do you have the legislature pulled up? or uh, I have an article here from videogameschronicle.com. Probably better to read that off Writ- than for me to kind of... Written by Chris Scullion. Um, it says the, quote, Stopping Grinch Bots Act is being introduced by Representative Paul Tonkin, uh, Senator Richard Blumenthal, Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, old Chuck. Chuck Schumer. And uh, Senator Ben Ray Lujan. And is designed to crack down on bot technology. Bots work by automatically notifying users when high-value items come in stock at retailers before circumventing any wait times. Adding items to their cart and then completing the checkout process, giving users a huge advantage over regular customers. Um, So, yeah. I mean, that's essentially it in a nutshell. Um, It says, it's hoped that the new bill will be signed into law as was the Better Online Ticket Sales Act, which was introduced by Tonko, Blumenthal, and Schumer in 2016 to make it legal to use bots to buy event tickets. So it sounds like this is something that's, you know, been done essentially in the past for other things, Mm -hmm. and they're just applying it to, you know, other high-value items that aren't just tickets, Mm -hmm. which makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why there'd be any pushback against this kind of thing other than some assholes being like, well, that's how I make my money, man. Honestly, <coughs> excuse me. Those are the two pushbacks that I saw was one, people saying, shit, that's how I make my money. Right. And then the other thing was people going, really? This is what we're focusing on? No, oh, shut People up. are starving in the streets. And we're focusing on video games and high-valued products. They can do more than one thing at a time. Well, that, and that's always the thing is when it comes to stuff like this. It's like, do, do, what makes you think that this is the only thing on the books? You think that they spend their entire day. You think C-SPAN is recording them reading over the legislature for banning video game bots. And right. then everyone just... All right, cool. That's Packs it. it up and goes home. Go home. <laughs> That's all we have to talk or about today. Or do you today. think maybe there's a little bit more on the books? Yeah, I would think so. so. I'm not even gonna, not even gonna, um, uh, uh, shit. What was that phrase? Lick their butt. <laughs> like, um, Inter- dignify that with a response. Ah, yes. I was going to say entertain that, but yes. Entertain that is also yes, good. yes, yes. Um, but yeah. So the the second thing people saying like, oh no, that's how I make my money. Go to hell. Yeah. Get a job. <laughs> Do anything other than what you're doing because yeah, you're evil. You're a bad person. I don't, I have I have zero sympathy for anybody who's like, oh no, what am I going to do now? Go fuck yourself. That's what you're going to do now. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, something else. <clears throat> yeah, do anything else. Uh, Literally anything else. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. I don't care. That's not I your your plight as a person who makes it so that the regular person can't just go to Best Buy and buy yeah. a thing. That, it, that's a classic not my problem kind of problem. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Go to hell. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. 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 This uh, is. I just don't see anything. I don't see any problems with this with this law. So, to put this even more in context, I, I see that there's quotes within this article too. Okay. So Tonko, which is one of the people who's on this uh, signed off on this, they're saying at a time when families should be able to spend time with their loved ones, digital Grinch bots quote are forcing Americans to scour online sites in the hopes of finding an affordable gift or paying exorbitant prices for a single toy. 
uh, Tonkin said in a statement. These bots don't just squeeze consumers. They pose a problem for small businesses, local retailers, and other entrepreneurs trying to ensure that they have the best items in stock for their customers. Our Grinch Bots Act works to level the playing field and prevent scalpers. Sorry. I'm so used <laughs> I to Turn the gain up. I'm so sorry. Um, our Grinch Bots Act works to level the playing field and prevent scalpers from sucking hardworking parents dry this holiday season. I urge my colleagues. You're good. You're good. Keep talking. Keep to talking. Join me <laughs> in passing this legislation immediately to stop the Grinch Bots from stealing the holidays. So they're making this really about the consumer, the sellers, and the holiday season, if I well, dare so say. Of course they are, because that's how they sell things to right. people. Of course. Don't be fooled by these politicians. They saw a thing where they could slide in and go, oh, this this will get me points. That's with their people. It's their feel-good story. Yeah. yeah. They could give a fuck about you and I trying to afford a PlayStation or even being able to access a place. They don't give a fuck. Right. They don't care about the free market. They don't care about competition. They don't care about monopolies and industries. They don't give a shit. Or dare I say the little kid who's crying on Christmas morning without a PS5. Yeah. they. That's the last person. They <laughs> Let alone us 30-year-olds, 30-something-year-olds yeah. who can't get one. Yeah. They don't yeah. care. <clears throat> so, to, so before you start looking up these senators and congressmen and start lavishing praise on these people let me just stop you right there they don't give a fuck no yeah they don't need that if i was a politician the first thing i would do is go after something like this yeah because it'll gain you points with everybody sure the parents who want to buy the playstation the youth that wants to buy the playstation shop owners shop owners small business owners even the big businesses like best buy and stuff sure. i mean even them like yeah. it helps them so mm -hmm. They don't need your praise, and they don't deserve your praise. Because if you still don't have health care, don't lavish any praise on any politicians. <laughs> yeah, no. How about that? No. Until until you get health care, fuck them. Yeah. How about that? Merry Christmas. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I got a PlayStation 5. Well, my teeth are rotting out of my mouth. <laughs> no kidney still. But, <laughs> but I got a PlayStation. So I'm this close to getting my PlayStation, though. I'll talk about that. When I can, uh, yeah. Don't when it's a reality. Yeah, don't count the eggs. I yet. won't. Right? You're or right. Don't count the chicks yet. No. Yeah. What's, they hatch. What's, count, yeah. I won't do that. Yeah. But it it seems like it's on the horizon. Okay. So I'm I'm hopeful. We'll get back to that when we can. Okay. So anyway, yeah. I I, I just don't. I mean, we've 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 talked ad nauseum about the. The fact that like it doesn't make sense that this was even allowed for as long as it's, as sure. long as it's been allowed. It seems like it should have been illegal a long time ago. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I think it's one of those things. that's like the law follows slowly behind technology most of the time. So, but I think <clears throat> honestly, man, that's the problem of the fact that our system is first of all it's filled with old people yeah white black woman whatever <laughs> they're all just all old. the races they're all just yeah <laughs> white black woman. woman they're all just old yeah so that's number Out one the, that's the number one the first problem like this kind of thing probably slid across these these guys desks hundreds of times sure and, and let's not be ageist but 
if they're old and understand the current state of digital media and technology and the internet, fine. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But when it's their job to, you know, make laws that cover things that they have zero understanding about, that's the problem. Yeah. Well, and let me let me just say this. Do you know any politician that seems to have an understanding of social media, uh, newer technology, uh, anything? All of them are out of touch. Yeah. Even the younger ones. I even mean, the Kamalas, the yeah. Pete Buttigieg's, like even the – find the youngest politician. Even AOC is the youngest one that I can think of sure. that's prominent. Yeah, she was streaming at one and point. And she seems to have a pretty solid understanding of – Technology, right, and how it's used in this day and age. Yeah, that's it. And what is she in her late thirties, mid thirties? I don't know. I think like yeah, early, early mid maybe. How yeah. old is she? Let's, 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 let's see if I still have a chance at AOC. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I am in a happy relationship. She's thirty-two. Thirty-two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway, I didn't know you were a communist, Marco. I mean, I will be afraid. Anyway, <laughs> uh, she seems to be the only one who has like a what? It's not even that good of a joke. You gotta say it now. Let me give you my labor, baby. <laughs> it's a communism joke. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's, it's bad. Fun. Yeah. I'll share my wealth. <laughs> What are you going to share with her? Crops. <laughs> um, I got yeah. a hammer you could sickle. That's good. Thank you. That one's good. Thank you. That one's good. It took, it took a little while. But yeah, to workshop we, we it a there. little yeah, bit. Yeah, but we, we got, got it. We got it. Uh, she is the only one who seems to understand. And it's because she was born in the 90s, man. Of right. Obviously, or 89, 90, whatever. She's the only yeah. one who seems to understand uh, what it takes. to Like, she gets memes and stuff like yeah. that. It's because she's in her fucking early 30s. The yeah. rest of them don't fucking understand or don't even want to understand. So now we're talking yeah. to people who have no idea what it means to live our lives. If you grew up. If you were already like 50, 60 years old when your constituency was 10, 15 years right. old, like what the fuck do you know what it means to live the life that we live? I'm not saying that we're out here fucking growing crops and like I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to um I I'm not trying to say that our struggle is the same as the struggle of people uh, of the generations before us. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to say is our struggle is a different struggle. Sure. And most of them, 90% of them don't really understand what the the plight of our generation because they think that because we have technology and all these advances that there's no way we could be going through anything. Sure. Because we have all of these things at our disposal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's just those things have evolved, and most of the time, older people, boomers, and et cetera, et cetera, I mean, even, even Gen Xers at this point are yeah. out of touch with what a lot of people, a large portion of, of, of the population is now, you know, 
on a daily basis dealing with with technology, social media, uh, I don't know, just how they interact with the world in general. Yeah. And the threats therein. Mm. You know, we're only now seeing real cyberbullying, like, laws go into effect and stuff. and More attention paid to it. Yeah. Um, you know, but even, even then it's like... It, I feel like all of this happens a little too late, and it's because of that. And the system is set up so that, you know, most politicians that are hi- the higher-ups are inherently, like, 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years older than the people yeah. that they're, you know, essentially deciding major, major things about across the board. Yeah. For people it really became a reality for me when i was watching some of the congressional hearings when they were interviewing mark zuckerberg and when they were interviewing the uh, the guy who runs google and you watch mm. them and you watch the questions that they ask and like their body language and the ways that the, the way that they treat it they have zero understanding sure. what is a subtweet and it's just <laughs> it's it's hilarious and it's also incredibly frightening sure. that the people who run this country have no idea what Google is, what Facebook is, what Instagram is, what Twitter is, and you've got the previous president spent 80% of his time on one of those social media networks and most of the people who make the laws that run this place don't understand. Yeah. They just didn't get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it is definitely scary to think that there are people making decisions about things that they don't know anything about. And I think that's how it's always been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and now that we are old enough to understand what it means to live in a society where it's like, oh, you don't understand what it means to live my life, and you are making laws that dictate how I live my life. That's only that's only happening at a faster rate. Because of the internet, because of how quickly technology is advancing. Yeah. Because if, I don't know, I, I'd say the difference, the, the time, let's say from like 1930 to 1950, I don't think there was that drastic of a difference between like what senators and, and Congress people knew about their cons- constituency that, you know, wasn't like on, on, uh, on target, I guess, in the way that it is today, I feel like there is such a, a, a an incredible shift in in the youth and what everyone past a certain age, past like the internet age, knows and doesn't know mm. inherently. Mm. And I think by the time that we're you know of age of of governance, if you will, it's going to be even more dramatic than that. You know, yeah. I think I think we're going to have zero finger on the pulse, even though we think we'll know what we're talking about. We won't. Yeah, because it's just going at that quick of a clip. If you don't keep paying attention, you're going to lose it. Yeah. I mean, because we're already looking at the generation after us and we're like, you guys don't get it. Right. Exactly. So I see it happening already. Yeah. It's like I see it happening and, and it's only going to take. Another ten years, another twenty years, until we are completely dusted. Yeah, and we're out of touch, and we think we know what we're talking about, and we'll have no idea what's actually happening, like on the ground level for, you know, kids, teens, twenty-year-olds, even thirty-year-olds. You know, like I don't know. I, I feel like th- that's only going to get worse and worse unless people start paying attention. 
and yeah. realizing that's that's a thing that's happening. Well, you would hope that the people who are going to be are are want to be politicians who want to run this country are I mean, I don't know, right wing, left wing, conservative, progressive, whatever. Those those lines in the sand have been drawn, and it, I don't want to want to talk about that. But <clears throat> no. the people who are our age, who are going to be politicians in the next like ten to fifteen years, I mean, you would hope that they would understand, like the way that Gen X and Boomers understand the plight of their peers mm-hmm. and don't give a shit about the plight of <laughs> yeah. the next generation. Right. You would hope that they would understand the plight of our generation and maybe understand how poorly the previous generation handled the plight of the next generation and so on and so forth and go, well, I can now uh, change things and I can, I can run this country a little bit better Mm -hmm. and understand where people are coming from, even though they're 20 years younger than me. Yeah. I don't know. That's a very idyllic way of looking at things. It is, but I like it. I think that's a good way to think about it. And, you know, honestly, I think the more that we're exposed through the Internet to the larger world and all this information at us at one time, I think we're getting more adept at knowing that we will constantly be out of our depth. Yeah. Which knowledge is the first step. So as long as we know, we probably don't know anything. Yeah. I think that's a positive change from the generations before. Yeah. Because I think they knew in their heart of hearts that they knew everything. Right. Right. And there's nothing you could do right. to say you got it wrong. This right. isn't this isn't how the world is anymore. Sorry. So I think I think we're progressing slowly, but it's happening. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Hopefully it starts with legislation like this yeah. where yeah, you know I mean, common sense stuff gets pushed through for the betterment of everybody essentially. Yeah. Except for a small percentage of assholes. You know who we're talking to. You. Uh, but Not we'll the see. audience. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. It's a good start, though. Yeah. It's a good Agreed. start. So, hopefully it goes through. Because I just want a PlayStation, man. <laughs> and others to have PlayStation. Yeah, I want everybody to be able to have a PlayStation, Everyone man. gets a PlayStation. Everyone, you get a PlayStation. And you get a PlayStation. And if you want an Xbox, I don't know why, but you would get an <laughs> Xbox, too. And a graphics card for your fucking PC, if that's what you want. You should be able to get those things and not have to fucking, you know, fight with a bot for it or fucking bid for it. Pay triple the amount. No, fuck that, man. You should be able to just get it at retail and call it a day. This is bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. Yeah, you tell them. Yeah. Yeah. You. All right. I think we got it. I think we got it, too, yeah. Well, before we get the fuck out of here, we have to do what has become a beautiful tradition on this podcast, which is the cheers of the week. Obi, I'll let you start it off because it is your bit. Well, let's see. This this week's cheers of the week for me. Um, There's nothing in here. (laughs) Keep going. Keep talking. I'll grab the other one. Is going to be... Um, wait, 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 slow down, go in slow motion. Is going to be... This, I, I'm sure this is very thrilling for everyone listening at home. Um, 
my cheers of the week is going to be on something that we actually touched on last episode with Juan. Um, shout out to Juan. Shout out to Juan. What up? But uh, it's the Beatles doc hey. that I was finally able to finish. I can now confirm that it is awesome. It's amazing. It's so good. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're a Beatles fan, it goes without saying. you got to watch this thing. If you're not a Beatles fan, I mean, I still think it's worth a watch. If you're interested at all at the creative process in general. Um, it's... It's weird, though. It, it, thank you. It, it's mm-hmm. very weird to me. It's not. It, it's almost not a documentary to Mm-mm. me. Yeah. I, I, it's just like uh, being a fly on the wall. That's mm-hmm. the best way I can describe it. Um, it's not set up in, with this narrative. There's no like voiceover. There's no you know B-roll and storytelling like that. It's it's literally just footage and audio, mm-hmm. sometimes spliced together. Yeah. Um, but it it is so interesting to see. You know these four legendary figures in music um, just be people and just be friends and just hang out for a while yeah. and you know have their tension, have their fun. Uh, I mean, like just be goofing off and make classic songs. Yeah. In in the downtime, you know. Yeah. I mean, it blew my mind. Yeah. Um. It took me a little while to, to get used to, you know, like not looking for where they splice things together and like mm-hmm. not looking for like their mouths not moving correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was weird. Because I was like, oh, that's not that's not right. It's not that's not what's happening there. And like the editor and, and persnickety film guy in me kept pointing that out and being like, ah, that's not that's not it. That's yeah. not the clip they were actually using the audio from. But I very quickly um, let that go and just kind of embraced what is, I mean just incredible the, yeah. the the fact that we're able to get that behind the scenes look at the beatles creative process at you know near the very end of their careers together mm-hmm. um and just see them as people again i think that it's such an intimate not even portrayal it's just them it is it's Oops. them it's them being them which is really something special that we don't get very often um with any artist yeah let alone the beatles yeah. So I mean, I mean, one of the most legendary groups of all time, considered by many to be the greatest rock band of all time, and mm-hmm. you get this this very intimate look into their creative process, and you know how they not only how they crafted these songs, but like how they treated each other, yeah. especially in this. Like you said, it was very close to the end of mm-hmm. the Beatles. I mean. I mean, Let It Be and Abbey Road were 67, 68. I mean, Lennon left the group in 69, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, it was, I mean, it was only a year and a half away from, like, the end of the Beatles. They put out Let It Be in, no, they put out Abbey Road in 69 and Let It Be in 70. So, yeah, I mean, by that point, the band was done. And this footage is from, like, 69, I think, early 69, I think. Yeah. So yeah, by that by that point, if I'm not mistaken, because I looked, I I read up on it, Lennon left the group in '69. Mm. So like, as soon as he left the group, Abbey Road and and Let It Be were like out. McCartney left the group like a month afterward, and then like almost immediately put out McCartney, his right. solo record. Yeah, and you you hear them starting to play like 
play with some of their own like yes. solo stuff. Harrison is doing some of his yeah. All Things Shall Pass uh-huh. stuff, and and Lennon is doing some of his stuff, and McCartney's doing some of his stuff, and Ringo's just back there having a good time. <laughs> you gotta love Ringo. I love Ringo so much. How can you not love Ringo even more <laughs> after watching this doc where he's just back there like I'll just like I think about Dewey Cox. <laughs> yeah. Where they had, um, I think it was Patrick Schwartzman do Ringo, and he's just like, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna song about, about an octopus, <laughs> <laughs> almost verbatim. Oh, he says that. Exactly. Dude. I wrote a that's song about an octopus. He's like just getting these weird songs on the album. That's all he cares about. He has no concerns uh, about like the overall creative process or or like what what this means to the legacy of the no. band he's just there he's he is almost the vehicle for the audience like yeah he is who we would be if we were the beatles it's just you're there you're like enjoy it yeah like, just be there and have a good time there's a moment where linda mccartney's wife at the time well not at the time but i don't know yeah, yeah yeah she's like I like Ringo the most. She actually says that. She's like, Ringo, I like he's the most. I like Ringo the most. And George Martin, their producer, he's like, yeah, he's the most pleasant. He's <laughs> yeah. the most fun to be around. They're like, yeah, he's the nicest. Even the, even the paper that they were referencing that they're all, like, pissed off about because yeah. they were, like, sla- slammed in it. Yeah. Um, they, they were like, everyone's weird but Ringo. But Ringo. He's the one who stayed normal. <laughs> he stays sane throughout the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it, dude. I love that shit. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you watched it because yeah. I have watched it up until actually the the performance, which mm-hmm. I didn't know until like the other day that they gave him all of the footage. They gave Peter Jackson all of the footage, mm-hmm. not just the documentary stuff, but the right. actual performance too. So mm-hmm. the performance is part of the the doc and everything. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I'm super excited to just sit and watch the full performance. I've watched it basically up until the performance okay uh, so i've the pretty much watched the whole thing yeah the legendary uh apple studios rooftop performance of it's let good. it be it's very good so i'm super excited about that but yeah it's 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 dude i've been i mean i've just been every moment that i have to myself i have i've just yeah. turned it on to i i will say when you're done with it at least for me i felt like a little sad that i feel sad watching it well, just just that, you know, obviously, like knowing where a lot of their stories go and it's not necessarily, you know, good. But um, beyond that, it's just like, again, this isn't really a documentary. It's like hanging out with a group of people for a while. Yeah. So it's like you get so used to and it's a it's a, you know, beefy viewing. It's like eight hours or something like that. Yeah. So you have all this time with these people like in their most intimate spaces and stuff and now that there's no more of it it's like oh man i wish i had more time you know like yeah. more more time to watch that and experience that and kind of just hang out with them yeah because you know it's just so it, it, it it's a very strange very unique experience watching that yeah i mean I, I watch it from like a songwriter's perspective and and just i don't know it it it, it messes with me in a way of like well, first of all, it's it's hard to watch as a songwriter because you're like, I'll never be able to write anything like that. <laughs> I can't believe Where's my let that it be? they just came up with that on the spot. Can you imagine just sitting there strumming the guitar and then you just go, get back, get back. And you're like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he came up with that 
spontaneously. Yeah, yeah. He just came up with that. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I just saw, had a riff and just kept playing it out. And then he had accomplished enough musicians around him to just go, all right, let's flesh let's this roll out. With it. And then you turned it into Get Back. Like, yeah. <clears throat> on that level already, you're like, I'll never be able to do that. <laughs> so as a songwriter, you go, I feel uh, so in- insignificant. Yeah. I feel like. And it, it seems so like not meaningless but like so simple to them you know yeah not easy because they 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 go through things over and over and oh it's like agonizing painstaking yeah yeah. but when they come up with it yeah doing it the doing part is like easy so easy like they're 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 literally playing they're just like some of the greatest rock songs of all time are just throwaways to them yeah and they're just like oh well you like that all right let's let's flesh that out and you're like hey man that's good. That's <laughs> one of the best. <laughs> really songs good. Yeah. What are you talking about? Um, so yeah, it, it on that level, and then just watching them, watching them dissolve, watching. You can see that there's still a lot of love between the four of them, mm-hmm. and you can see you can see them try to keep the band together. You can see the effort being made, but you can also see that they're four grown men. And they're tired of being in a boy band. Yeah. And they all have different ambitions. You can see Lennon has different ambitions of his own. You see Paul McCartney has very, very different ambitions. He ha- he's, a, he's a leader. And mm. he doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. You can see that he's a sensitive person. And yeah. he doesn't want to make anybody feel bad. But he has an idea of yeah. how he wants these songs to be. And he doesn't want to make... George or John or Ringo feel bad about themselves, he's tired but he's of, like, like stepping on eggshells, basically. Right. He's yeah. like, I know how these are, these songs are supposed to sound. Yeah. And I I can't care about your feelings anymore. I know how these songs are supposed to sound. Yeah. And um, for better or for worse, I mean, because when you look at you listen to these those Beatles songs, you're like, well, it's probably good that Paul didn't have like full creative control because those songs are incredible. And it's only, in, you can only imagine like what he would have done to them. Says the biggest fan of Obla D, Obla D. <laughs> exactly. Dude, if Paul McCartney had his fucking way, I don't know if I'd even be a Beatles fan, period. The, I, I read up just like you did after finishing the documentary and, and just reading about the turmoil around, uh, uh, Maxwell's hammer. Yes. And uh, one of the quotes from, I forget who it was, but it was like, Paul makes songs for (laughs) six-year-olds, essentially. (laughs) And we were tired of making these baby songs. He does. Sometimes you're just like, who is this supposed to be for? Yeah. There is, Paul writes, I mean, just incredible music. There's some songs where you're just like, I'm. Ah, this is just like a devastatingly good song. Yeah. And then some songs you're just like, who was this supposed to be for? <laughs> what child was he writing this for? Yeah. Maxwell's Silver Hammer is a child song. Sure, except for the content of it. But, right. Yeah. But like the sound yeah. of it. Sonically, is, it's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's it's uh, it's fascinating to watch that aspect of it. It's fascinating to watch. This band dissolve, and you can see the love for the for each other, and you can see even the love kind of, I don't want to say dissipate, but you can see where people like they they just grow up. They, yeah. they you can see like they They're have families, apart. they have women in their lives, and they have like you know ideas that they have that like like George leaves the band, mm-hmm. and he's like, 
then I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah, I mean, you could see why. It's, yeah. it's like the most calm argument. Where, yeah, right. When he leaves, yeah, he's, he's just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm, see ya. I have officially left the Beatles, and he's just yeah. like, I'm done. Yeah. And then, you know. Well, it's because they weren't listening to him. They weren't. <laughs> and to his credit, all things must pass. Mm. One of the greatest albums oh, yeah. I've ever heard yeah, in my yeah. entire life. Yeah. So... You know, it's it's the Beatles liquid swords. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) It's the that's the best comparison. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, uh, if we haven't sold it enough, if you're even minimally a Beatles fan, Paris does not like the Beatles. And I'm just like, I don't get how you can. (laughs) I'm just spending all my free time watching this. There's so many eras of Beatles, so many different sounds that the Beatles went through. You have to like something in there. Something. Something in the way. Uh, that's you all we hear can that? Do. That's all we can do. All right. Um. <laughs> you okay there? I hit, I hit the light. Yeah. All right. All right. There you go. Don't break the set. <laughs> My cheers of the week is going to Virgil Abloh. Virgil Abloh. Rest in peace. Legendary designer. Uh, creative director for Louis Vuitton, uh, collaborator with Kanye West most specifically, but Tyler, the creator, West Side Gun, uh, a, a, a large number of, of influencers, rap artists, not even just rap artists, just artists in general. He fought cancer for the past like two years. Mm. And no, uh, I wouldn't say nobody knew, but like the public didn't know. Sure. Yeah. And I, I, I saw a tweet that was really uh, that was really meaningful to me where someone was like, he didn't battle a secret battle mm. with cancer. His right. family knew. His friends knew. Sure. The public just didn't yeah. know. It's not a secret battle. It just wasn't publicized. Yeah. yeah. So, guys, people need to wake up and start realizing, like, you don't know these people. Sure. It's not a secret. He told the people who it mattered to. Right. You're just a person, you know? Right. You just go on his Instagram. He doesn't owe you that information. He yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. But he passed away, and um, I it was like, he was just like super influential in a lot of ways that people don't even realize. Like the album covers that he designed, the um, the 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 clothing that he designed, the direction that he took Louis Vuitton. I mean, he 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 created one of my favorite shoes of all time, which is the uh, off white um, Air Jordan, mm-hmm. the the Air Jordan One off white collaboration. I think is one of the best shoes ever made. Uh, I I may be derided by this uh, by sneakerheads, but I'll, I'll maintain that I think it's. I mean, the Jordan One is still one of the greatest sneakers ever made. Sure, yeah. A lot of people say the best sneaker ever made, um, and I think that the off white. Uh, the, the 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 version that that Virgil came up with of the off of of the Jordan one rather, I think it's one of the best remixes of a iconic silhouette I've ever seen. I, I still maintain that. I'll I'll fight people over that. <laughs> um, and I you know you know there, there's some stuff that I don't that I don't super agree with. He did some weird shit, but that's what you do when you're a designer it's and you're trying to baby. innovate. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I I had no idea because I'm just a guy. I had no idea that he was battling this uh this this private battle Mm -hmm. and then when all of that stuff came out i was like holy shit i I had no idea and um i just think that he deserves 
people don't really understand his influence on street culture, street fashion. Um, I don't talk about it much on the podcast, but like that's I just read a bunch of like, you know, couture and fashion, all that mm. bullshit. Call it what you want. I don't care. <laughs> I like it. It's called fashion. <laughs> it's called fashion. How about you learn about it? And uh, he was he was big. Yeah. He was big, man. And uh, so, yeah, shout out to Virgil. Rest in peace. Um, his legacy is it, it looms large over. I mean, even the stuff that like, uh, OK, he designed the Watch the Throne cover. Mm-hmm. He designed the Cruel Summer cover. He designed uh, the West Side Guns new uh, cover for uh, Pray for Paris. Mm-hmm. He designed. I mean, he, he just like he looms large over a lot of things that people don't really understand that yeah. he had a hand in designing. So, um, yeah. Just wanted to say shout out to Virgil, Off White, not Louis Vuitton because mm-hmm. whatever they're just a fashion house, but whatever. Yeah. So there you go. You're here. Cheers. Ah, mm. delicious. Delish. Delish. All right. You think we got it? I know we got it. Well, if Adam says that we got it. Before we can get out of here, we have to review these beers. What am I talking about? I was waiting for you to notice. (laughs) All right. So tonight's brew was from Red Light, Red Light. It's the Streets of Gold. It's a Hellas Lager. And uh, Adam, just tell the people what you thought of this this, this, uh, this crispy boy. I think it's great. Uh, Very easy drinking. Very smooth. Very crisp. Um, Which, you know, I've been in a crispy boy mood. I've been more attracted to the lighter German influenced, um, let's dare I say, weedy mm. uh, beers mm. as of recent. And uh, yeah, this one ranks pretty high. Um, very tasty, not over the top with flavor, a little sweet. Um, let me give it a four and a half. Let me give it a four and a half. Um, let me get let's get one more. I feel like there is a slight aftertaste that keeps it from getting a five in my book. A little, just a little bit of a bitter at the very end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that shouldn't discourage you from trying this one out. It actually is one of my go-tos at Red Light, Red Light. Yeah. It's a, a very, uh, you know what you're getting kind of beer. Mm. So if I, oftentimes, if I can't figure it out, um, I will go with one of these and it's for good reason mm. that's a good that's a good way to describe it and know what you're getting kind of beer mm-hmm. no nonsense know what you're getting hella slogger <sighs> touch sweet a little crisp uh towards that back end i think that may be the thing that's kind of throwing throwing you off a little mm-hmm. bit it's like a little too crispy on the back end i think that's what it is yeah um but i think you know it's 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 just like that's the best way to describe it you know what you're getting it's, it's a lager a hella slogger it's delicious. If you can't, if you don't know what you want, if you can't think of anything, I would go with this. It's fantastic. Great, great entry-level craft beer. Fair, yeah, yeah. I think if you're a newcomer to craft beer, first of all, thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think this is a great entry point because, you know, it's not it's not so far off from some of the stuff that you may be used to having. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just packs way, way more flavor, yeah. way more character. 
Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a step up. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a four and a half also. So Great. unanimous four and a half for the Streets of Gold Hellas Lager from Red Light, Red Light. Now, do you think we got it? I'm pretty sure we got it now. All right. Well, we know for sure now that it's been got. <laughs> sure hope so. <laughs> this has been the One Beer In podcast for myself, Marco Dupla, for Adam Obesius Rodriguez. Uh, lick the butt. Thank you guys for listening. Drink delicious beer and have a beautiful evening. We love you. Yum, yum, yum.